And that's the beautiful noise. It's time for another Inferno Soccer Insiders. That is right, another edition. We don't miss a week. Uh, yes, we we posted a little later. We apologize for that, but you know we still we still got the show going on. You know, Jerry and myself, Ed and Perez, the co-host, will always uh always have this great content for you. So even when even when they don't have a game, we have an episode coming out. So exactly, it's we always got something new for you guys out there listening in. And it, it's felt like so long. I know it was only like a what twelve day period since they last played, but it's felt so long since their last game. So, I mean, I'm. I think I'm excited at least for the Pac-12 play to open up. Yeah, what a game that was! Beating G- beating GCU for the second time, and like the way they did it, 4-0, looking great going into Pac-12 play. But a real big tough starting it out, tough test ahead. And I mean, they beat a GCU team that had a player with Marlene Shimmer that, and we knew that was going to want to test them and try to get a goal on them. You know, say the little revenge game. You know, the one that even Neymar in the PSG world wanted Barcelona. That was Marlene's equivalent. But uh, obviously, she she played decent, but she didn't get the goal that she wanted. So or the, I mean, result, or, or the result, like Neymar. <laughs> that much is true. But we'll, we'll dive into this matchup. You know, it's the first Pac-12 game they're gonna face USC on Friday night at Sun Devil Stadium. I mean, just just to kind of kick off things before we even dive into USC and that roster, what do you need to see from this ASU team to get get a good result in this game? I mean, last year, Pac-12 play didn't exactly go the way ASU was looking for. Kind of unlucky here and there, like the USC game, for example, give up a goal in the last minute, get a penalty kick, chance to tie it up, and a great save by the cold keeper there. This year, I think one of the big keys is going to be protecting the counterattack or stopping the counterattack, because USC has a ton of pace on the wings with Tara McCown, as what arguably one of the best players in the whole country she's a threat anytime the ball's in usc's possession and we've seen in the past they, with the asu defense kind of getting caught up a little bit and being almost exposed to that counterattack. but i think that's probably my biggest aspect is you got to find a way to slow mccown down and stop the speed that usc has uh and i think you put it there perfectly i think it's going to be the most talented roster I think they've faced by far. No, no discrediting the first four opponents that, uh, well, first three, excuse me, opponents that ASU faced. But this this team is number three in the preseason polls for the Pac-12 for a reason. I mean, everyone's raving about, like you mentioned, Terry McCown, who in her recent game versus um, BYU, she got two goals in and she shot seven times, six of them on, on target. So. These and you know you got her, you got Penelope Hawking with nine shots, five on goal, um, one of them blowing in. You got a, a, a great player in Savannah Demello who everyone's raving about her work, what she could do in the midfield, and you have an amazing uh, keeper in Kaylee Collins. And so you had all those elements. It's going to be the most talented roster you face, and it's going to be the first time that Julia Cascaper is going to be truly tested at the same time. Yeah. So, that's huge. Yeah, as is the whole team. It's like their first real big test of the season. Not saying nothing against any of the teams that ASU's played so far, but it's USC's just a completely different monster. No, it, exactly. For for the rights of the players that we mentioned, but also the other players. I mean, yes, they might not get the coverage or you know the talk that the other players do, but they're just as talented. I mean, it's a whole roster with USC. The reason why they won that last game, like Jerry, Jerry mentioned, it was unfortunate on ASU side. But that, that whole roster pretty much outplayed uh, the Sun Devils the whole game. 
and was able to secure that matchup. And I think the biggest question mark, I'm not going to steal your thunder. I'll let you talk about it. Um, we talked about it before the podcast was um, being able to track back because a lot of those wing back plays for, for this, uh, ASU likes to push the ball forward like Lucy Johnson. And it could be Talia, Jess Hale on that other wing. And it's going to be all about coming back at the right time and making sure that defensive line doesn't have the hole. If not, USC is going to take, take advantage of that. Yeah, absolutely. And like, as you said, Lucy, Jess, Talia, whoever it is, they need to assert their dominance and control the tempo of those wings. Go up when they get the chance, but don't get caught up so far up that it's three on two going the other way. And suddenly USC is the fast break. But that's another thing, like looking at last year's game, and looking at what we've seen from ASU in these first games, playing that full 90 minutes from beginning to end is essential this year and essential for this game. Because last year, a little slip up at the end, suddenly you go from getting a draw to a loss. Exactly. And I think we've mentioned it in the previous editions of, of this podcast. They've, they've let the other team have the last five minutes. It seems like the last five minutes, the other team dominates because the Sun Devil defense starts to collapse a little bit. It's not, it's not been huge where we've been like, oh, wow. Or, I mean, it, it hasn't led to a loss yet, but with teams like USC, Stanford later in the schedule, Arizona, you allow that slip up and they're going to take advantage of it. Those Pac-12 teams are going to easily take those, you know, last minute attacks. And if you're, if you're tied, they can easily win it. And if you're down, if they're down by one, they're going to get that, that tying if you, if you stop playing. So I think one huge thing is going to be that. And also I think Graham's going to be test, uh, Graham Winkworth, the uh, head coach is going to be tested with substitutions because I mean, it, the thing about the NCAA, it allows you to, you know, get those fresh le- legs in late, but you don't also want to set ruin that momentum or that structure, that line. So I think it's going to be a huge balance for Winkworth to, you know, do I use that much subs and ruin what's going on right now? Or do I, you know, risk it and put on fresh legs to keep up with those attackers and, and, Things like that, and it was that was a huge question. Even in the GC matchup, they only used three substitutions in that game. So, I mean, that's going to be a huge question for this game. Uh, I was just going off that, I feel like the depth that ASU has this year defensively and more of the pace they have back there is possibly could help and be very beneficial. We could end up seeing what was it? We've seen a four in the back this year, we've seen three in the back. I believe last year they played five in the back at times. And I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's what we saw against USC. Yes, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, to you know, before you go on a rant, I mean, that was a huge thing in Pac-12 play against their bigger opponent. They went five back. So as you continue to talk about that, do you see that as something that they should do? Run with that five back. Uh, I mean, the, the issue that would come with f- playing five in the back is you could get too com too complacent or too calm in the back and then just be too and be in defense and face the attack for the entire game. And that's not exactly what you want. But at the same time, if we do that, if ASU does use the five in the back, it does give a little bit more safety for those wing backs to push up and not necessarily have to worry about getting back as quickly because there's three center backs sitting back there. So in that hypothetical, right, uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to imagine and, you know, you can you can talk about it if you see it some other way. But if we do play a, a five back. I, I would imagine it would be Lucy Johnson, obviously holding that that left left wing back role, and then the right wing back role. I, w- I would like to say it'd be built on, because I mean I don't think you'd be able to utilize her in the attack as much. So if you put her in a wing back and let her push forward with the ball, and that'd be huge. And then the three center backs is going to be the question. I mean I think it's pretty obvious going to be Carlier and Dars be that 
duo because they have that rock. But would would he have someone like Jasmine, someone he, uh, Coach Winkworth has played in various roles? Would he play someone like that? Maybe Talia or even Jess Hale, who's played that right back role and has been good on that one on one situation. Yeah, that's a big asking point is if they did do that, if they did go five in the back, who would fill in that third center back role? We've seen, as you mentioned, we've seen Jasmine all over the field, and she seems like a big part of Winkworth's plan. He's brought her on, brought her off, and just brought her quickly back on again. But, it, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see back there. And which player do you sacrifice? Because you're obviously going to have to pop someone from attack. <clears throat> I mean, we've seen Olive Jones being that bench player, so will she just not – uh, so will she be that role of coming off the bench later and have Nguyen up there? Or would you rather, in your opinion, then, would you rather have Nguyen up there, use, utilize her pace in, in that situation, or would you rather have someone all of pair with Nicole Douglas in the attack? I, I, so far this season, that pairing up top of Nicole and Olivia Nguyen has been great. They have seem to be flowing really well together. Chemistry seems to be there. They're assisting on each other's goals all the time. I think I, if I was in Winkworth's shoes, I would probably keep the two of them up top in this situation. But And then Olive's not a bad player to bring off the bench either, giving you a little bit more of that second chance and that fresh burst of energy when you need it. No, exactly. You, you put it there. Because um, Nguyen could play that, you know, I like to equate it to other terms, you know, like Adam Atriori role where she could come late and take advantage of weak legs in, in that situation. But I think that... <clears throat> that aspect of it would make it that it would be a little questionable because they're used to having three attack. They have Olive who brings in something different that Nicole Douglas hasn't brought that you know, Nguyen brings something that Douglas can't bring, you know? So that's why they made a trio. So that's why the problem with the five back necessarily is that <clears throat> you're going to sacrifice one of those things, but also someone like Bill Don who can push the ball forward is going to be able to, still do that role with what she brought in that wing. And in my opinion, it deserves to be in that, that trio up front that, you know, that has been missing. And I think the big biggest question that me and you have both labeled is, well, are they going to be able to track back and be able to come back at time and communicate that? And someone like Phil Dine and I think Lucy have done a, a pretty well job. And someone like Isabel DeHockey, who I think is going to be a huge player, uh, has dropped back and done that role very well and hasn't hesitated. So, I think that whole situation is going to be very interesting to see if they end up going that five-back role. Absolutely. And you mentioned Isabel, the hockey's there. That's another position that we've seen a lot of different players get starts and get playing time in is in that midfield. What do you, how do you see them approaching the midfield into this game? I mean, personally, the way I see it, I would go 4-3-3, stick with what you're good at. I like, I understand you're playing a good opponent and they're going to have attacks. But I think you have to have faith that this is what you're best at. From what we've seen so far, the four backs beat what they're best at. So even when they played the three back role in the first game, yes, it worked, but it was the, the quality of opponent was shaky and it seemed like they weren't as comfortable. But with this four three three, they seemed the most comfortable. So with that in mind, I my midfield, um, the way I look at it would be Van Dersen. Ava Van Dersen, I think she the way she can kind of control the ball in, in the sense, kind of, you know, alleviate you know, when, when defenses are pressing or when the when the attackers are pressing for the other team, Van Dersen can kind of hold the ball. She has a smart IQ to find the right pass or even make the run. You know, she she takes the space that's given and is able to find someone else. So I think Van Dersen is going to be huge. Alexia Delgado, the captain, I think she she's a must in that midfield, the way she 
you know, she, she's she's vital on all, all aspects of the game. She helps position the defense. She helps an offense. Just her the way she plays, she makes a difference. She makes great balls and opportunities that wouldn't be there. So she's, she, by, she's by far the most vocal player on the field as well, leading everyone the whole way. Yeah, or maybe Cascapera, but even then, exactly. I mean, we're at the games. There's no fans, so we we get to hear the you know, one person, one voice. You get to hear. You hear the Lucy's and Casper, as you mentioned, but it's Alexia Delgado who's the one who's communicating and de- uh, delegating traffic. But my final role would be Isabel the Hockeys. I, I think she she deserves a shout. I don't think she gets the praise that you know she deserves for the way that she kind of helps out in that defensive role. I think that's going to be the huge thing. And also, she she does want to attack. She gets in the right position. She she uh, secured a good spot for a goal. I mean, she was right there, right the right spot. So her positioning is very good. So I think the hockey's would be my three, but uh, do, you, do you agree with that? Or would you go with a different midfield setup? No, I, I agree a hundred percent with those three in the midfield. They've been more or less the three we've seen in and out of the midfield since all three years of us covering this team. It's been Alexia, Ava and Isabel kind of just coming. It is Isabel coming in and out a bit more, but the other two have been a very statement part of, this team and what we've seen that been be built and you know stay on that topic we've been talking about a lot of the players and you know that foundation that's built and everything but there you know there's there's some players that you know haven't made that huge step forward or you know maybe we're we expecting more heading into the year which player do you think needs to step forward in these you know in this usc game but also in the future pac-12 games for them to be successful um i think the the easy one would be to say, well, I'll just go with the one I think, probably Cascapera, just because we haven't seen too much from her so far these first few games. So these are, like you mentioned earlier, this is going to be the first time she's really been tested this season. So I think that's a player I'm looking to see what she can show and what she's proven this year and learned in that 15-month gap from last time they were playing. No, I, I agree completely. I mean, this is going to be her test. You know, this is going to be the one. I mean, you look at the last stats. Um, I mean, they put over 13 shots on goal. I mean, that's going to be something that Cascapera hasn't faced. I mean, truly, she's faced maybe three three great chances, and she's she's been able to cover it. But, again, that's <laughs> those chances very few. So she really hasn't been able to be tested. So I think that's a great one. I can't blame you for that choice. I think me personally, I – it's hard to label one person, so I'm going to label Jess Hale, but this could also be Natalia, but I think it's that right back spot because I think that's the spot that's been the biggest question mark because I think Carly and Dars have been very solid in center back. Have they been tested as much? No, I think the same situation as Casper, but they've been able to control it very well. I mean, Carly has been uh, very vocal and she's been a uh, huge part of that defense and the reason why the other team hasn't been able to score Dars as well. But Lucy Johnson, I think, has, has played well, both moving the ball forward in that wing back role, but also defending and keeping that wing controlled. But it seems like that right, right back spot has been the big question because they started Talia, but I mean, they took her out after, I believe, 30 minutes because they weren't happy with her role. So they had to, they put in Jess Hill there. And Jess Hill, who's great on one on ones, and I think she's, you know, she's amazing and she has the experience, but I, I think true. Um, Truly, she she doesn't have the height. You know, someone that's you know tall has the physicality is going to test her. So just that situation, figure out who's that person's going to be, and then that's going to be the big step. Because if that if they can complete that for and feel solid, 
they wouldn't have to drop someone back like a five and you and you can play the way that you, you know you're best suited which is the four three three yeah absolutely right i would say right back is probably the most i wouldn't say uncertain position but the position that there's the most kind of competition for who could potentially end up starting there because both talia and jess and even vildan when she's been back there all three of them have played pretty stellar back there so far it's just going to see who can make that extra step forward and show that they deserve to be playing or deserve to be starting in Pac-12 play. Exactly. And I mean, personally, what I would go, I would see, I would say Jess. I mean, I think she's uh, held her ground very well. She, what she does amazing is what, you know, she, what she can do, you know, she doesn't do, she's not going to be spectacular where she will control that defensive line like Carlier but she's good on the one-on-one situation. She's good on cutting down like those long balls and, and that she's not going to act like she can be out physical someone, you know, she's not going to be someone who's going to go for the aerial battle. I mean, that's not what they need of her. They need her to beat that one-on-one situations. I think that's who they need. Cause I mean, Talia, I think she could be the resolution moving forward. I think she just needs to, she needs more playing time to get adapted. And it, it seemed like she was a, not uncomfortable. I don't know. It just seems like she wasn't, ready for it is what I would say. So I think with just more time in, in that spot, I think Tolly would be the answer. But right now, if I'm playing it, you got to put your best players in the best spots. Cause I mean, USC is not going to let you have those little slip ups. It would be Jess Hill. I mean, um, an interesting thing we saw in the last game I want to touch, uh, touch about before we move on to our next segment was when Nicole Douglas was man marked a lot, but I think it was by number 19 of GCU. And it kind of forced Winkworth to push Douglas to, to the wing and put someone like Jasmine in attack at one point and even put Olive Jones. Would you do – I mean, I think it's clear that a lot of teams aren't going to start man-marking Nicole after, you know, we saw what happened because I think she wasn't as effective in that last game because of that. Would you push Nicole Douglas out to the wing and put someone like Olive or even Jasmine to that number nine role, or would you just stick with Douglas – in, in that striker man marked and just keep that wing play and let them build through the wings. I mean, I like what happened the other day or like in the last game was by moving the coal out wide, it brought that number 19 out wide as well, creating more of that space in the middle. And we saw Isabel the hockey's goal was she went right through the middle and was wide open unmarked and just was able to just tap it in. But like, I think Nicole's by far the most dangerous player on ASU, at least offensively. She's the leading goal scorer the past two seasons, likely going to be leading or is currently leading the way again this season. So, I mean, seeing that man-to-man defense, it's just going to have to make the rest of the players up there, whether it be Olive, Jasmine, Olivia, all of them are going to have to step up a bit and just fill in that gap. And just someone needs to assert themselves as that scorer if and when Nicole gets moved out wide, opportunities will come that way. No, no, I agree. I think, like you said, I don't think you, you got to embrace the marking because, I mean, as a team, you can't do anything about it because I think teams are going to totally take note of it. I mean, GCU did that just by the second game. The first game, they weren't marking. They weren't man-on-man on Nicole, but by the second game, they were. So it seems like teams are picking up on that. And all you can do is hope that you can build. And I think the best spot to do it has been the wings. I think the wings has been very effective for ASU's attack. And, you know, whether that be Lucy pushing the ball for Bill Don, Nguyen, Olive, I mean, Elgato's also created some passes. The hockey's have, has gone to the wings and 
Prosset in. I think that's going to be a huge aspect. And Nicole Douglas, although she may not be the tallest, you know, she may not be the aerial threat, you know, the best aerial threat. She she wins those balls in the air. She she she's pretty reliable on that, and she she battles for them at the very least. So I mean, if you start whipping in those crosses, even with the man mark, she can win those, and you know, at least put it on put it on put a shot on goal, or even you know create a rebound for one of one yeah. of her teammates. So that's all you got to do is just put a ball on net and who knows, it could deflect, hit a post, hit the blade of grass the wrong way. Next thing you know, it's in the back of the net. And the best thing. Someone hit a beach ball once. There was a beach ball thrown on a field. Not ASU, but. No, not ASU, but you're right. I mean, also, they, I mean, Nguyen has been that perfect person too. She's always been in that right spot at the right time too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, those tapping kind of goals. So yeah, that's more of what we're gonna to need to see this on Friday is just that clinical finishing aspect where you have if you get the opportunities, you have to take advantage of them and not squander them. Cause you know USC at the other end isn't gonna mess up any of theirs. Yeah, set pieces I think are gonna be huge. Then corner just you know, the corner kicks we we mentioned it. We you know Nick's favorite thing to talk about from yeah, Nick seeing the other other one of the other members of our Inferno Intel soccer coverage team. That's one of his favorite aspects of talking about is just the whole corner kick situation with ASU getting so many this oh, year. Yeah. It was twenty four, I believe, in that GCU matchup and they only converted two. So well obviously Nick and Nick's always saying our other Infer- Inferno Intel reporter, uh, well he does video for us. He 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 mentioned that and it and it's true. You gotta be very effective because that twenty I, I guarantee you we're not gonna get that much chances. I mean, I think with USC we're gonna get maybe five, six around that range, maybe even less. Um, and those those corn kicks have been threatening, but they haven't been back of the net. And when you're playing someone like USC, you need to take take advantage of those chances because just one goal from those set pieces will change the whole outcome of the game. And so just just the right time, right header could literally be the difference between a win or a, th- or a bad bad loss to, against USC. Yeah, absolutely. Just while we're talking about this, we've seen a lot of different plays coming in from corners. We've seen Lucy and Alexia just playing it back and forth, quick one-two, pass out and cross or like just passing the ball around and kind of moving in there. What, what do you think is probably the best way for them to approach corners moving forwards? It's very tough because there's some where I'm like that, that can work. And then at that same time, that next play, they, they try this uh, same situation where it's like a short corner and they cover it up. I think what they need to do is a, I think it's going to be more effective because they have, I believe, what, five or six plays I think we've seen. Obviously, there's probably more, but we've seen five or six different kind of plays. And throughout a game, that's how many corners you should get. So I think they should stick with those type of plays and that you have set and just realize the other team is not going to see, you know, that as much as GCU did and adjusted. So I think that will be huge. But I think, you know, that play between Lucy Johnson and Alexi Delgado, I think they're – both of them are very capable of making the right decision in the corners. I mean, we've seen them whip the ball in and it's, it's been threatening at times. And, you know, it's led to great chances for the team that they just haven't converted yet. So I think, I think those two will be vital and I trust them for the plays that they do, but I think they got to change it up. Like, you know, there's times where, you know, they, they do the short corner a little too many times and said they should just pass it to the first person like Ava Vendersen that one time uh, she was in the edge of the box and she, she was able to cross it and had all that space to do something. So 
I think it's going to be more about mixing things up, at least in my eyes. I don't know if you feel the same way about um, that. Yeah, I feel pretty similar. It's all we've kind of talked about this a little bit before, but I agree with what you're saying there. It kind of just show a couple different ones at them, but no. more importantly, getting it in the back of the net than anything. I agree. And to wrap it up, we're going to do one final segment. You know, it was a great discussion about the GCU and ASU game. You know, we we may we t- talk about it a little bit to end it off, but I think this will wrap up the the podcast. Is um, you know, we had time. You know, I think we've we've covered the team since freshman year, so we've been able to see a lot of players come in. You know, and we covered many of them, and we know how how talented some of them are. are so we we thought it would be fun to kind of create our dream starting 11. If we can combine those teams of, you know, our freshman year, our sophomore and our junior year, what teams would we start at least? And, you know, granted, granted, you know, this may not be the perfect one. People might have our differences, but I think me and Jerry, we're going to do ones in our eyes at least. And for those listening, we, these will be just be, we started covering this team in 2018 for that season. So it'll just be players from the 2018 team to the current roster. Exactly. So if there's someone from 2016 or 17 that we haven't included, I uh, apologize. You know, we didn't get to see no them. Disrespect to yeah, them. No disrespect. Not, not that we don't like you or anything. It's just we're going off the years that Jerry mentioned, like I said, the 2018 season, the 2019 season, 2020 slash 21 season, because obviously we're playing in the spring. But uh, I mean, <laughs> when when you start, it, it, it's, <laughs> it was very interesting because I, I it was very weird to go back, you know, a freshman and doing research. And I, there were some people I forgot, but they, they used to be huge. But I mean, when my freshman year, at least the first person I included, and you know, this is the one person I, I included right away was Gemma Perfield. I mean, I think absolutely. she's she, vital. Go ahead. No, it's all you. I was going to just say, she's we got to be one of those players. It is kind of a must have on this team. For, no, I think since we've been here. It'd be an injustice not to include her. I mean, she's right now she's with the Bristol City women's team. She's doing well over there. I, mean, they, I believe they just made the FI FA Cup women's semifinal or final. I do apologize if I got that wrong, but they made one of those. Um, and she's been a huge aspect of it, and she truly seems to enjoy it. She's having international success, and I think a huge part it was her success with Graham Winkworth and his system. And I mean, both of them knew each other what what each other expected, you know. And she she played that role very well in that back. She was that left back role because Casey Martinez covered that right back role uh, very well. And yeah, Gemma had that cover. So I think she's an absolute need to start. So that's the first person I included. And let me clarify, I'm doing a four through three. I don't know if you're going to do the same formation. Yeah, I'm, I'm planning on doing this same thing. So you have Gemma Perfield too. So we I both do have her on the left. And then I was just going to say, let's just move to defense and then up, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if you want to do goalkeeper too first, you're more than welcome to. I'll wait on goalkeeper just because I need a second okay. for that one. But okay. I would say next center back, I would say Carlier. Mm-hmm. She's been a pretty important staple of the team the last two seasons. This is only her second year in the program, but she was a starter last year, starter again this year, and has shown strength and leadership back there. So that's my first center back. I, I think it's fairly so because I think, you know, she's very vocal. She's been a huge part of that defense. I think uh, a lot of the positives of the team has been through Carly. I mean, last year you look at it 
it's very hard to have a lot of positive no wins of Patchwell. But I mean, the development of Carlier into what is going to be a very solid center back for the team is one of those. So I think that's definitely a fair shout. So I got to give it to you there. Um, I I was struggling with the other center back, but I'm I'm going to leave that open for now because there's a few options and I'll and I'll label that when we get there. But I, I I'm start off with the wings. I have Gemma left back. I'm actually going to move. And this is very bold to do early on because I, I think Casey Martinez did very well and everything. But I'm going to go with Lucy Johnson. I think so. Lucy Johnson has truly impressed me in the four games we've seen her. She's She's been, again, Graham Winkworth style play is very important. It's the wing back system. And I think Lucy Johnson has fit that role. And she's earned her spot there being able to um, – great opportunities in all spaces, being able to track back when when needed and playing that role where she controlled that that wing. So I'm, I'm putting her right back. That's a little cheating, and I apologize uh, for those who are mad about it. I apologize, Jerry, if, you, if you're not happy with me cheating a little bit with moving Lucy to right back. But I, I felt like I had to include her. But Casey Martinez, again, you're – I, I was very tempted to put you. You're on, you're my first bench player, to be honest. I, I, I put some bench players, but he's my first one. Yeah, that's that's fair. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> that's something I like to think sometimes. But so, do you are you gonna go wing back spot or are you gonna cover your other center back spot? Because I know you have Gemma and you have Carlier now back there. Um, I'll probably go with the, my next center back spot. I like the teams we've seen this year. I think Darst has been really solid back there. I mean, I know there's probably players I'm missing out. I, but I just off the top of my head right now, I would say Darst has probably been the most impressive center back that I've seen after Carlier. And I think it's fairly so. I mean, that center back too, I think is perfect for each other because I think they cover each other well. They know each other where one's going to be. The other one has to track back. So I, 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 I can't blame you for that choice. I mean, I, I know some people are going to say we have a little recent bias, but I think it's, it's, is to serve if we're going to choose Carlier on one spot, I feel like you got to go with their partner in the other. So, again, I can't blame you for that choice. And I kind of I went the same again, it was very close. There's people like Lorado Sargent who stood out to be Angela Boyle, Madison Wolf. Those three again deserve a fair shout. I included them on the bench because I think they all, they all played well when they were here and fit that role. But if you're gonna if we're gonna include Carlier and what she's done so far, I think Darce deserves it too because she's been that other half that has completed Car Carlier very well. So I included her. So I mean, my back is looking. I can tell you before you uh, choose your wing back spot, but my back is is Gemma Perfield, Darst, Carlier, and Lucy Johnson. So who's gonna complete your defensive uh, your defensive back? Much as I'd love, love to agree with you with Lucy with the whole being English thing and everything, gotta love, gotta support the the motherland. I'm gonna go with oh I had it and I lost it. Uh, I'm gonna just go with Jess Hale then. Yeah, okay, I like been, that. At least this year she's been impressive. Again, recency bias, possibly, but <laughs> I think that she's fit in perfectly and has controlled that right side. No. I I have my goalkeeper now, and I will say it isn't a recent recency bias. But yeah. I'm gonna get Nikki Panis as the goalie because she was just great. Her one year we saw her playing. You sold. <laughs> you, you honestly stole the word again, people. We haven't just planned out, but 
I put Nikki because I feel like that was a huge loss for the team because I think she was the future at that spot. And obviously things didn't work out for, you know, reasons that will not be known to us. But the, the games that she played, it was truly impressive. I think Jerry and I both talked how she's going to be that future of that spot and it'll, it'll be covered for a while, but things didn't go well. I believe she transferred to Oklahoma uh, moving forward. So it was, it was very sad to see, but at the same time, she, I think the, the most underrated thing about her is her ability to create like she, from the goalie spot, she was able to kick it up to Nicole Douglas. And I think she got an assist or two through those plays. So I think that was a very huge aspect that we're missing on, but the close second for me, Sydney day, uh, same year as Nikki Panis, she started a lot. I mean, she had great experience. I believe she was a three. I believe she played her whole uh, career here at ASU uh, for her four years. And she, she played well and there's nothing wrong against her. I just, I believe I would give the edge to Nikki Panis. So um, I'll, I'll give you that first that you went first there. Before we move on to midfield, uh, was Christina Edwards, did she, was she a defenseman? Because I feel like she was one of those jack-of-all-trades and kind of well, was scattered around here uh, everywhere. That's – that's oh, man. That's, that's that, one of the players I, I almost put it as a forward. I did not put her. There's not, nothing against her, but I think she was a jack-of-all-trades, so I didn't know where to exactly put her in the world. She was one of the ones I was thinking about for that right-back position, kind of her, Jess – maybe a little bit of Lucy as well, but it was more those two, those first two were kind of who I was thinking of for that right back position. No, no, it's, it's fair. I mean, again, I cheated a little bit with putting Lucy Johnson. I, I mean, I had, I had to go for it, you know, and Jerry allowed it. So <laughs> we're going to take it. Now I'll be completely honest with my midfield. This may be recency bias. <laughs> I'm just gonna say my three. I go for Jerry, it. I agree with me. You say your three, and then I'll, I'll come back to mine. It's Alexia Delgado, Ava Van Dersen, Isabel DeHockeys. I think those three. Again, I know I apologize. There's other players, and I'll talk to them after Jerry goes. But those three have been monumental, and I mean Alexia Delgado ever since she showed up has been a huge. Ava Van Dersen too, the way she can create. I mean, there's reason why even Isabel DeHockeys, all three have been called up for it. For their international teams for a reason for their talent the way they can control the ball and create for the team i think is huge and i just felt unfair to break them up but again i apologize that might be a little recency bias but i just think those three are some of them i think the least top five talented midfielders we've seen in the years that we we've covered the team yeah absolutely and i wouldn't say there's too much recency bias because they've been part of the team in a pretty important role all three years we've been covering it so it's yeah, I see no real recency with that one. I'm going to stick for my midfield. I'm going to move with two of the three you have. I'm keeping Alexia in and Ava in. And then my third midfield is Kylie Minifield, just because oh. of like everything she's done for the program and being from Chandler, went to Hamilton High School, so local kid, grew up here, was a really great player for ASU in the years we saw her play and a very important player on that team both on the field and kind of off the field as a leader. I mean, truly was. I mean, she didn't get the, I think, credit that she deserved when she was playing because I think her role is very unappreciated because she played that center mid role, but a little little defensive at times. So I think yeah. you got you got to give her credit for what she did into the program and being an Arizona local, local, I think it makes it even that much important when there's so many international players on the team. 
Absolutely. And I'd like of the game she start or of the game she's played, she played 55 games and started in 45 of them. So I mean, she was virtually a starter all her time here. Yeah, I know. And that's the one I actually included on my bench. I was very close to put her in. Trust me. I put uh, on my bench for the midfield. I, again, we're not doing that, but uh, Christina Edwards, I think she's a jack of all trade. I put her as a midfield option in the bench, but again, you can easily put her at forward. You could easily play her on defense as much as midfield. Callie Minifield, I put Day Williams. I, we haven't seen Day this year. She's still on the roster, but she, she was huge to that team last year in her role. So I think it, she deserves a shout. So again, I'd include her because this year we don't know what's happening with her and why she hasn't played. We believe it's an injury, but again, we're not here to speculate. So she was, yeah. she, she, she was uh, very huge in that midfield. And I think someone also I'm going to include as a shout, Corey Sullivan, her freshman year, This uh, she's she's been with us you know every year. She's been part of that team, but she was huge in that freshman year. Obviously, due to illness and situation like that, she hasn't been able to compete on the team, but she's, I mean, Grandma Solda, she's battling to get back on the roster, and truly, truly, this program means a lot to her, so I think she deserved a shout. She played that right back role, but I also gave her a shout in the midfield, so I, that's the one I put up there. But yeah, that, I agree. Corey was a player that has been through a lot and has been constantly a, an important part of this team showed at her freshman year, and that was just another player I wasn't going to, I was going to, I guess, put on my bench, but like just a shout out to her for everything she's done and gone through. Now this is where it gets interesting. My attack, it's right? Top. It, it's very tough because there's so, there's a few people I'm very tempted to include that I didn't. But I'm going to start off with two. My third one, I'm still debating. So I think after I hear your three, I may get a, a clear vision because I, I, this is a little recency bias. Well, no, just not recent bias because Nicole Doug has been part of the program for so long. I think she needs to be a, a, in the roster. So, I, mean, I think you have to include her. I think that was okay. one of the, the shoe wins for sure. Yeah, that and I included Marlene Shimmer, someone we saw from yeah. GP Faceless, but the talent that she possesses, the way she can create goals out of nothing, it seems at times, and just the player she is, she's truly special uh, from what I've seen. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with those two as well for sure. Who's your third? Here's interesting because people like Tina, uh, Christina Edwards, like you mentioned, could easily be that role because she did play that jack uh well, that yeah. yeah exactly so who who are you putting down again i'm putting you on the spot because i'm still trying to i have a few uh, just looking at like the three years we've been here kind of looking at taking the thought the importance of each player and their role not necessarily even on the field but just like off what they've meant to the team for that i'm going with olive jones That's just because she's been a key player all the, all her years we've seen her play here she's been here all three years i think we've been covering the team yeah i, I mean that's that's one of those players i'm debating because she what she's been to this program and, and now she's even getting a bigger role and we're seeing yeah. her speed in that role i think I mean, we saw her take less of a role not last year two years ago i believe she took a little step back from that previous year but she's gone back to that being that having that important getting a ton of minutes rolled again this year is whether she's starting or coming off the bench she's giving it her all from the second she steps on to the second the game's over and she steps off the field for those reasons amongst others i think that's why i'm putting her as my third up top alongside marlene and nicole i agree with you i uh but 
I agree with the, the, what you said. I'm including her on my bench. And it's, I think for similar reasons, I'm choosing Olivia Nguyen. I think just, um, again, she slowly built herself in a role. Cause she, I mean, she's made appearances here and there and, and she's been building herself up. I mean, in her slight, you know, the previous year, she, you know, she, she showed she, she may be something, but this year she's truly breaking out, embracing her PC role on that wing, creating opportunities, not only for herself, but Olive, you know, the, who's been in that other trail, but in Nicole Douglas. So I think she's been huge, but again, that's a, that's not recency bias in a sense because she's been with the program for so long has truly meant so much, not only when she's on the field, but off the field. And Graham has emphasized that to the media. So I gave her that. I mean, there's other people who deserve shouts. And again, if we didn't include you on this, is no disrespect, trust me. But it's just, there's, there's been, you know. There's so many players. We, yeah, there's, so many. Man. there's only 11 spots on the field to fill. If there were 22, we would still probably even have be having trouble of who to decide on. Exactly. I mean, players like, again, I mentioned on, on my bench, I'm looking at it, Casey Martinez, Laura Otter Sargent, Gus Hale, who I didn't include in my lineup, but you included uh, Christina Edwards, Dave Williams, Hassan Wolf, Corey Sullivan, Allie Manifield, and even some players that are on the squad right now, Bill Don, who I think is going to build herself into. She, she's up a ton in that GCU series. She really – look like she had was used to playing now in the Pac-12 or not in the Pac-12 but with this ASU team as it was her first year and she looked a lot better in those last two games in those first two exactly and if she continues that kind of performance maybe the next time we do this maybe next season we'll, we'll include her in in one of those spots you know over the all of her new wins but I think right now we got to stick with it yeah, I will say that's another player we, we were talking about players who we think need to step up a little bit and be that key a key player in the next couple games. I'm going to say Vildon is another one just because I think she has that ability already and has proven that. And just if she can keep her momentum going, could be a really dangerous player for the years to come. Oh, exactly. I think her her and Lucy, I think, are going to be absolutely vital for the team's success because, I mean, they talk about the obvious, which is Nicole Douglas, Alexia Borgato, and them. But, I mean, Lucy Lucy Johnson and Vildon, I think, are going to be the most impactful newcomers when it comes to it. But to, to wrap up this podcast, we've been talking for a while. I mean, it's been truly a great episode. But to wrap it up, give me your one key. If you're, if you know, I, I'm looking at you, you're you're, you're going to hypothetically be Graham Winkworth right now. What's your one key to success against the this USC team? You know, your one thing that the team needs to do well. Play all 90 minutes. From the second that whistle gets blown and the ball's kicked off to the second that 90th minute buzzer sounds. You got to keep your foot on the gas and not let up, not give USC anything. Try and control the tempo as much as you can. You feel... ASU has has shown that ability that they can. That's my thing is get out quickly, it's in, and then right at the very end. No, I, I agree. I mean, that has me a huge key. And not, not to go to, I'm not going to copy you there because I, you know, I got to give your answer the fair shout and you deserve, uh, you deserve it. So I can play the full night. I agree with that. But for me, it's going to be, um, Cascapayer, you're going to have to have, I think, the best game so far this year. I mean, you got to step up. My my one key is going to be the goalkeeping play on both sides. I mean, just the goalkeeping as, you know, they have, USC has a very talented goalkeeper and 
and one that has gotten uh, various shouts, you know, preseason and Callie Collins. And you're going to have Julie Cascafera, who in her right deserves praise for, you know, what she did, not necessarily, not only this year, but last year. I mean, yes, when you look at the record and you're the goalkeeper, thing, people are going to question you, but it's not that she played bad. It's just all those teams got amazing opportunities that sometimes she couldn't save. So I think if she needs to be, she needs to be a huge step up. And it's going to be her first test, and you gotta you gotta come out of it looking good. So I think that's going to be my key. If she's able to have a great game, uh, the Sun Devils will be able to, you know, get a, get a good result. You know, whether that be a win or even a draw. I think a draw. A lot of people look at it as a bad thing, but even to start off Pac-12 play, you know, get the confidence up. You're you're facing what people label as the number two slash three team in in the preseason polls. If you get a draw out of that, that gives you confidence moving forward. So. I mean, that's yeah, gonna be a trial by fire, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to be huge for her, but that's kind no of a better way to start on the pack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. And that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Inferno Saga Insiders. This may have been. I do have one more. I do have one oh, more. Thing to oh, wrap you lost up. me. Don't there, there's up. one person we haven't seen at any games this year, and I'm a little disappointed that they haven't shown up. But where's Sparky? We haven't seen Sparky <laughs> oh, wow. at any of the games yet. Wow. I'm here slacking on the soccer team. Do you, I, I don't know if Sparky's made appearances on even the other sports from what I've Oh, seen. has he not? I don't, I don't know. Maybe with the coronavirus and situation, but even that you GCU had their mascot there. That's true. It would have been great. It would have been a great little crosstown rivalry having Sparky there show up and just battle it out with the lope. But that's a good point. I, I haven't thought about that. I mean, those who follow this. Since fresh, freshman year, know how important Sparky is. Crossed my mind. Yeah, I mean, Jerry, we both know how important Sparky is for us and how much it means to us. So it's it's truly sad not seeing him out there. But uh, maybe that's the key. Sparky shows up, and also Nick Sellers thing who claims he's undefeated each time he he films. That's the key to the game. If Nick shows up to the game, and so far he said he will, so it, will he continue his streak? We'll find that's out. Such <laughs> we'll see it might it, hey, if they win we might have to credit nick for that one but that i mean that's gonna wrap it up i think that's a great way to end it you know shout out to sparky shout out to nick Zeller seeing um we'll, we'll see if you're gonna make it well we'll see if both of them make an appearance this friday but uh, it's gonna wrap it up for inferno soccer insiders make sure to catch our coverage at infernoinsel.com you know myself and jerry walker you know right we do game game recaps as, as long as Alongside our other writers, which is Michael Donahue and Addison Kamlech. And then for video, Nick Seller Singh and Caden and great photos from Abigail Sharp and Zachary Spiker. And the whole team's there. They got great coverage for you on Inferno and Cell. Make sure to check it out. But that will wrap it up. Thanks again. And thanks for tuning in.